to the aid, everyone. We are in a series titled The Author of Life. If you just look historically, if you just look at world history, and you look at how, like, the, the biggest event that transformed world history would be the life of Jesus. If you just look at how Jesus transformed a new ideology, brought a new ideology to the world, and then had to equip followers in order for the mission to continue, you need a little bit of more time than just a, a year and a half, two years, two and a half years, three years. Like many, uh, many scholars would say, the time in which Jesus had to equip disciples or followers in order for them to understand who he is and then for them to transform the world. Most people would say any time between a year and a half, two and a half years at the most is what he had in order to build a relationship with the followers of him and to equip them to change the world. For those who are in leadership and work, it's, you just know you, don't, you need a little bit more time than that to equip someone for a big job. Not, I mean, forget the changing the world. You need a little bit more time. And what Jesus did was so fascinating um, is that he would push his disciples, even though they might not be 100% ready. He would basically just push them into the deep end. He would say, I, I need you to do this. I need you to go do that. He would say, okay, you believe me? I want you to follow me. Watch what I do. I need you to go do this. Even though they were hesitant or still a skeptic maybe. But what Jesus did is he continued to push people not only to believe but to follow even though they were not 100% ready. An example of that, where Jesus told his disciples, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Maybe some of us know the translation being, and I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> Think about this. If you're a disciple and you are, uh, you know, a mediocre fisherman, and you, you had a, a, a pathetic night of catching fish. And then Jesus tells you, come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I would be thinking, man, I can't even catch three fish. And you want me to go fish for people? I can't even catch fish, which so should be easier. So how on earth am I going to fish for people? But this is what Jesus says. Okay, follow me. Do you trust me? He would create a tension point. Not just, do you believe me? Yes. Okay, have a great day. No. Jesus says, okay, you follow me? You with me? Then I will... I will I will equip you to be a fisher of people. Jesus loved to create pop quizzes or on-the-spot training. On-the-spot training. Like he would love to, to challenge those who are maybe one foot into him, maybe are a little bit skeptic, and he would totally respect that. People who are not all in, he would totally respect them. He says, I get it. You're not all in? Fine. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Do this. Go grab me some, some food. He would, he would push them. He would challenge them in order for them to build the muscle of an enduring faith. He tells them this. Very truly, I tell you. Anytime you would read this, by the time, anytime, let me take a step back. Anytime Jesus, anytime you, you and I would read in scripture, what Jesus would say, I surely I say unto you, or very truly I say, that's equivalent to like, okay, okay, put, put your phone down, hear what I'm about to say. This is the equivalent. Like he's giving an introduction, like I'm, what I'm about to say, I need you to be with me right now, okay? Just focus. This is what Jesus is saying. Focus with me. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. You're one foot into following Jesus. And then he tells you, believe me, and I will do even greater works through you. It's hard to really believe that. Like, what trust do I have to, to go all into what he's saying? And Jesus is saying, I got you. You go in. You, you lean toward me with whatever you have and wherever you are and whatever state you're in. 
Lean toward me and see what I can do through you. He would create these tension points to challenge them. He says, I want you to step up. And I want you to, to, to embrace this tension and take that, that leap into the unknown. This is, where, this is where you will build an enduring faith. Here's an icon that many of you have seen before. This is a picture following the, the art style of the Coptic Orthodox Church. And it is, it's intentional of why some of the people don't look realistic. It is intentional why like the, the eyes are disproportionately big. All that's for an intention. But this is not the time for us to discuss that. But I just want to share that all of this art and everything, the colors, the, the depiction of everything is there for a reason. And this is depicting an historical event which occurred multiple times and recorded in all four of the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Eyewitnesses and those who did comprehensive research on the life of Jesus all recorded in detail this supernatural event. And it goes something like this. An evening approach, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. What are they saying? Saying, Jesus, you've been, uh, I, you, you, your sermon's fabulous. Perfect. I love them. You've been talking all day. People are kind of tired. You know, I, I feel some of the disciples are probably talking about themselves, but, you know, they want to the, 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 put the weight on the people. They're tired. They're probably hungry. You know, it's been a long day. The sermon's been great, but, you know, they're, they're tired. They're tired or they're hungry. You know, maybe us too, but they're, they're tired and hungry, so maybe you should just go let them rest. Jesus replied, they don't need to go anyway. They don't need to go away. How about you give those 5,000 people something to eat? You give those 7,000 people. Why don't you give those 10,000 people? It looks about 10,000 people out there that are hearing my sermon. Why don't you give them something to eat? <laughs> and I'm sure the disciples, once again, were like, ah, I knew this was coming. He, oh, and every time we bring up, there's a situation, anytime there's something, he always pushes us out there. He always puts, the, he bounces the ball back on our side of the court. I, I, I saw this coming. And here Jesus is doing the exact same thing all over again. I'm sure Andrew, I'm sure James were like, oh, I saw this coming. Why did, I, why did I bring that up in the first place? I shouldn't have said anything at all. And here Jesus is telling them, why don't you figure out how to do catering for 7,000 people? The followers of Jesus, those who are one foot in, those who are all in, those who are hesitant, all embraced $1 million question which transformed their life and built a legacy and made a generational impact. This one question is this, what would I do if I knew the author of life is with me and desires to work through me. There is Yahweh. There is a higher deity. There is a guy in the sky. But what if this author of life yearns to work with me and through me? Ask yourself this question. What would that change about your marriage, of your purpose of life, of how you view conflicts and hardship? What would that change if this was a rooted question if this was a question that filtered through everything that you saw, what if the author of life decides, is wanting, desiring to work through me through this, this, this uncertainty? What if God, the author of life, is wanting to do something through me through this thing I cannot stand? What if you asked yourself that question? This is the question that made a group of 12 men, other women, kind of going one foot in, 
to going all in because they saw the answer to this question with full clarity. We've been looking for six weeks now. I know we're on part four, I think, right now. We're in a series of answering this one question. How do we build enduring faith? Like if I asked you, if I asked you, don't raise your hand, but if I asked you to raise your hand, who wants to have a, a, you know, a stronger faith and bigger trust in something bigger than themselves, you and I would raise our hand. But how do we build an enduring faith that becomes applicable at work tomorrow, that becomes applicable when you get home and you, and you got, a, you know, everything is going crazy at home and you don't know where everything is going work-wise, marriage-wise, parenting-wise, and things are kind of just off balance. What would you do? Like how would, how would an enduring faith equip you to handle the hardships that await you right after leaving the eight? What if you and I could build an enduring faith which transcends circumstances, which transcends the, the, the good and the bad that will come in the highs and lows in which you and I go through? How do we build this enduring faith that becomes applicable in every aspect of our life? We looked at last week a first catalyst for how do we build, or sec, sorry, a second catalyst of how do we build enduring faith, which is not only for us to hear him, but to act. If we look at what Jesus, Jesus said, never to just settle for believing, but to put it into action. Believing is convenient. Believing is, is safe. To say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, that's super easy to say. I can find a wide array of people in different worldviews. They, they would say, I believe not only in God, I believe in Jesus. That's very convenient to say. But Jesus never asks us to settle for that. What builds an enduring faith is, is when we take action. And the catalyst in which I want us to talk about today, the second catalyst, which is kind of connected to what we talked about last week, which is the catalyst to serve. To serve. In the Orthodox Church, a common lingo that is said is those who volunteer in the church, that we call them servants. I remember in high school, uh, we were out to the mall. I, don't, I can't remember why. But we were out the mall with, with our high school servants. Okay, just there are volunteers who took care of us. And, and uh, I, me and, and one other guy, we got lost in the mall. So uh, we, we're, we're, we told one of the employees, yeah, we're looking for our servants. And they said, your servants? What do you mean you guys serve? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, you, you, I, we say it, but th- 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 there's a reason why this is a typical, for those who are cradle orthodox, you don't think twice about the word servant. But someone on the outside, it's a, I mean, this is why sometimes it's good to use it synonymously with volunteer. But there's a better reason, and there's a reason why intentionally the orthodox church embraces the word servant. The second catalyst which will build this muscle of an enduring faith is service. I love, in my position in ministry, I love it. I love it when I sit with people and, they, and I ask them, you know, are you interested in serving? Most of the time it's like, well, I don't know. Like there's got this going on and I don't know. And, and I say, okay, you know what? I respect. My style is never to push anyone because it needs to be synergistic. It needs to come from them and, and from the church together because if, if I twist someone's arm, they're going to do good for about two weeks and then it's going to stop. But it needs to come from them. But I love it when, I, when people say, I don't know, like, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I'm ready. And I, I, I don't think, I, I'm a little bit nervous too. And I don't think I'm really gifted in that. I, I haven't really been, like, I kind of stepped away from the church for quite some time. I don't know, I don't know a lot. And so I love it when I hear that stuff. Because this is their first step to build this muscle of service, to build this muscle, to build an enduring faith. There are tons of servants right now, volunteers, that are serving our kids right now. And so many of them have told me this very thing, and God bless them, that they're giving up th- their time week in and week out instead of having coffee and sitting down in, for the eight. 
They're, they're sitting there serving our kids, and I can't tell you the stories of so many. There's so many volunteers in the church that have embraced attention, and I love it when they say, well, I don't know if I'm qualified. You know, I haven't, like, I don't really know, like, enough, like, this person, or I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of one foot into church the whole time, so I don't come every Sunday, so I don't think I can do that. I love it when I, hear, when I have those types of conversations because this is the precursor to them building this muscle. What if you saying yes to God in service is the difference to impact someone else? Forget you for a second. What if this makes an impact to someone else? You and I, definitely me. I'm here because certain people said yes to God in service. And that had a generational impact. There are people in which you serve. And do not fall into the trap of determining what's a small service and what's a large service. From making coffee to the people that come here super early before us are probably still sleeping and they set up the church. All, all service, it doesn't matter what it looks like. From music team to IT to whatever the case might be. Your service, saying yes to God, might make the difference for someone else to take a step. You saying yes to service might make a generational impact just by you saying yes to God. But resisting to say yes, that I don't know, I don't think I'm called, that, that's, that's not a lack of faith. That's actually testing your faith. That's building that muscle. Your resistance to say, I don't know if I can, or I, that's not a lack of faith. That's you building, that's you working out and testing your muscle of that faith. You do not know what hangs in the balance of you saying yes. You do not know the edification in which you will gain, and you do not know what hangs in the balance for those who will, you will impact. I love it. I, I, again, th this hits a sweet spot for me because I love, and in, 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 as a priest, when when the, the volunteers and the servants, those who, who teach our kids, I love it when they come to the mystery of confession. Which I'm not going to talk about that, but just when they come and they say, you know what? When I was really preparing this lesson, it really hit me X Y Z. I feel like I, I really, I kind of struggle with the same thing when I was telling the kids about this lesson. I love when I see that. Like nothing gets me more pumped up because this is where I see the Holy Spirit working within them. This is where I see them finding life. Like you have no idea what hangs in the balance for your own personal edification and for those around you and for generations to come by you saying yes. Jesus invites his disciples to be part of this supernatural event. He invites them to be part of the problem. Or sorry, no, part of the solution, I should say. He invites them, well, part of the problem and solution at the same time. It's okay, I didn't say anything wrong. He invites them to be part of both. What Jesus said, the disciples bring up a, a, a problem. Like you and I, we see problems in our world, in our church, in our society, so forth and so on. And you know what Jesus says to you? Mm, why don't you do something about it? What's that JFK line? I did not write it down, but uh, ask not what uh, your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country, right? Am I getting it right? That's, that's JFK. Anyway, Jesus is asking them. He's asking them, why don't you be part of it? Why don't you figure out how to do catering for all this? And you know what it took? Do you know what it took? For them to take that step, to build this catalyst, this muscle of building an enduring faith, you know what it took them to do? You know how much it required of them in order for them to make an impact, 
not only for a free lunch for thousands of people, but to leave a generational impact. Because those people heard not only spiritual food from Jesus, but they also received physical food by experiencing this event. The only thing that was required of them, the disciples, is this. That was it. Don't worry, I got permission from Ruth to take care of this one. This was it. The disciples, here comes the little boy with his lunchbox, just like this. Well, not like this, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he comes, he comes to Jesus. He says, this is what I got. He understood who he is gazing at, transcends logic and transcends science and transcends biology. He totally understands there's just a couple of fish sandwiches here. He gets that. But him coming with this enduring faith and the disciples there to, to lead the, the, this boy to Jesus, it only takes this for you and me. But what do we want to do? Lord, please do something. Fix this problem. I want to have a stronger faith. We, it's easier. Let's face it. Isn't it easier maybe to just pray about it as opposed to coming with something so small from us and to put it into action? The disciple says, well, we have here uh, only five loaves and, and bread and two fish. I wonder if he's saying this, if the disciples are saying this in a sarcastic way. Very logical. I'm a very logical person, and this is a double-edged sword. This is, uh, I'm talking about myself. But he's he very logical, and I feel there's some sarcasm. Well, Jesus, you know, you know well, we're here we got thousands of people, but hey, I got five loaves and two fish. What does Jesus say? Bring them. Challenge me. Bring me what you got. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. You're, you're the God man. You just snapped your fingers. You said a quick prayer. You just showed people how you're connected to God the Father. And you just created catering for thousands of people out of a puny lunchbox. And then you tell the disciples that you go give them to people. If you're Jesus, you could have snapped your finger and everyone could have just closed their eyes and all of a sudden they have a fish sandwich in, front of their, in, their, in their hand. But what did Jesus tell them? He tells the disciples, here, here's, I got the catering. It's all, it's all here. Can you, do you mind organizing the people into circles and, and passing it out? Jesus invites you and me to serve along with him. This is the enduring faith muscle for us to serve. And the only thing it took is this. That's all it takes from you and me. But we avoid this. It's better for us to pray about it and maybe somebody else, and that's it. But what if the thing that builds the enduring faith in you and me requires us to come with this. Do what you can do and trust God with what only he can do. Do what only you can do. I feel like that's like an army saying. Do what only can be. No, that's be all you can be. Do what you can do. Do what only you can do and let God do what only he can do. You give to God what only belong, that you're able to do and let God do the rest. But no, I'd rather just God willing, God will answer this, right? God willing. That's, that's, our, that's, our, that's our good Christian language to get away from something. God willing. God will provide, right? 
God might be challenging you to take that step, to come out of your comfort zone. This is what might fill your tank, to build that persevering, enduring faith. Do you know what Jesus asked his disciples to do after everyone had lunch? You know what he told them to do? All right, gentlemen, get in the boat. Let's go. <laughs> Tell them, let's move. We, he created another tension point. He created another pop quiz. He, again, pushed them to come out of their comfort zone. We move on to the next service. He's building within them. He's creating these artificial tension points to build in them, to equip them. Why? Because now, at the end, when these men and women heard these words, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What, Jesus? You want me to go and make, you want me to bat? I get it. I get it. I get it, Jesus. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I have no idea. But I get it. I can come with this. I can come with this. And God, I know you'll do the rest. How on earth is a group of, of a small group of men and women hearing this going to transform world history? Logically, it makes zero sense. But they understood this science. They understood this one plus this one does not equal two. They understood that's not math. Because they did that, this is where they saw life change. This is where they believed that they are equipped to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Now, when Jesus said this, they were like, yeah, sure, easy for you to say. You just created an eyeball out of dirt the other day. You just raised your boy Lazarus from the dead. It's easy for you to say. No. They got it. They understood that they were equipped to trample on serpents and, and, ser and, ser and scorpions and all power of the enemy. Because they knew who was with them and who was working with them. Serving positions us. Serving positions you and me to see God's strength work through our weakness. Serving positions us to see God's strength working through our weakness. Nobody understood this better than one of the greatest missionaries on planet Earth by the name of St. Paul the Apostle. He understood his weakness so well. And you can see in his own writings, you can check that out in the Bible. He understood his weakness. But he also saw how much God worked. He saw God's strength work through his weakness. He said these words. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. He's saying run with endurance. He's saying this is not a sprint. This is not a... Do you have faith? Yes. Oh, good job. It's not this. He's a run with endurance. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking onto the one who is the author and finisher, the beginning and the end, and the one who identifies our trust and faith. Something that we pray in the Orthodox Church, an ancient prayer that, that predates the Bible. We say these. This prayer is prayed inaudibly by the priest and also prayed in a doxology or a hymn for St. Paul. We say this. As he, St. Paul, followed your example, O God, the author of life, 
So make us also worthy to be like him in, in action and in faith. This, while the Pauline epistle is read, the priest is praying this inaudibly. As St. Paul followed your example, O God, the author of life, make us also worthy to be like him. And we pray this in the hymnology of the church for St. Paul. Tomorrow, we honor St. Paul and St. Peter. They came with their brokenness, with their uncertainty, with their fear. They came and went all into Jesus. And they came in with their lunchbox to Jesus. And they were able to leave a legacy and have a generational impact because they came with this. And God was able to do amazing things through them. There is no difference between St. Peter and St. Paul and you, the saints, and me. Zero difference. The difference, they came with this. We want to keep busy, go, move on to the next thing, and not give up this. Why? Out of fear, out of stress. I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to deal with that. I, I can't serve right now. <laughs> Do you know who said no to God? Do you know? Who said no to God when they were pushed and, and maybe encouraged or cheered on to serve and build the muscle of enduring faith? Do you know who said no to God? I don't know because we don't know who they are. But you do know who said yes, and we speak about them centuries later. You know those in your life who said yes to, you, who said yes to God in service. You know who influenced you. You do not know what hangs in the balance. You are here because someone said yes to a nudge to serve. Maybe you saying yes to serve might make the difference in one child, might make the difference in one person's marriage. That might make the difference between one man or husband to step up. This might make one difference for one wife or female to, to, to take that next step in their life. You do not know what hangs in the balance. I would encourage you to embrace the tension that's within you as far as service is concerned. If this muscle is pulling on you to build this muscle, to work out this muscle, there's some great volunteers that will be at the connection table. Be Irini, be Marette, and then Mary and Lesfoy will be there as well. And I want you to talk to these ladies. And all three of them are very gifted in different aspects of ministry. And I want you to have a conversation with them. There, I, believe me, this is not like a, a, a commercial for uh, we need more service. Believe me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling, I, I'm, I want you to build an enduring faith just as I desire that as well. But if there's an itch within you to say, you know what, I think it's time for me to say yes, then I want you to talk to them. There's a need for life groups as we're getting ready for the fall. If that's something that, that's on your heart, I would love for you to talk to Moret. Maybe upcoming, uh, d there's different ministries needed in the church. I would love for you to talk to Irene. If you want to see how we can help in the community, Mariam is extremely gifted in helping in, 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 in connection with different people in the community with other nonprofit organizations. And she has something in mind that she'll share with us for the church in the future. If that's something on you, I'd love for you to talk to Mariam. I don't care if you know them or you don't know them. I want you to go and stop by the connection table and have that conversation. What I want us to do, I want us to stand and we're not, before we pray in the traditional way, I want us to pray musically. The ancient music of our church, which might sound foreign to some, and I get it, 
but it, the, 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 the music of the church allows us to transcend text of prayers for it to elevate, for us to touch into a deeper part. So what I want us to do, I want us to stand and I want us to pray the doxology of St. Paul the Apostle. As we honor him tomorrow, someone who came with this and we saw what God did through him. That we honor him, we venerate him, and we, and, and we ask for his prayers. And I want us to stand and I want us to pray together. Even if you have no idea what on earth I'm saying or you don't even, the music is your first time hearing it, I get it. That's totally fine. The best part about the Coptic Orthodox Church when it comes to music, it's very elementary. At least I think it's elementary. So because it's elementary, it's easy. After a few verses, you're able to kind of pick along. And I promise you, you can sing aloud. Nobody is hearing you. You're able to just sing along and for us to pray it together. And then from there, we'll close in prayer. Let's stand up together. Oh, oh, blessed saint, the teacher of the world, our teacher, Saint Paul the wise, the tongue of fragrance. You were persecuting the church, trying to destroy her. But it had pleased God to reveal his son in you, that you may be a chosen vessel of our Lord Jesus Christ to bear his name before all the Gentiles. On the road you saw the Lord and he talked with you, and he worked by your hands unusual miracles. You labored abundantly, more than all the apostles, and you bore in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You were entrusted with the gospel. You wrote the epistles, and you heard in the paradise inexpressible words. Who can describe your virtues, your faith, your humbleness? your zeal, your virginity, and your love for Jesus Christ. With great struggle, you invited everyone to be filled to the measure of the fullness of Christ in love. Finally, you gave up your life and shed your holy blood as a token of love to your Savior and gave him what is yours. As he followed your example, O God, the author of life, so make us also worthy to be like him indeed in faith. Hail to our Father Paul, the teacher of the world. Hail to the chosen vessel of our Savior. 
Pray to the Lord on our behalf. O blessed Saint, our teacher Paul the Apostle, that he may forgive us our sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you have called us to an amazing calling. You desire to work in in us and through us. Lord, through the busyness of our life and always being on the go, and maybe just us being passive in different aspects of our life, we miss, we miss that calling, that itch, that urge, that drive within us to take that next step, to build that enduring faith. Lord, I pray that through this series, we can challenge ourselves to embrace that tension that's within us, to see what is that catalyst, what is that virtue, what is that muscle that I'm called to build within me in order for me to build that enduring faith. Lord, we desire to follow in the footsteps of St. Paul. He came with his brokenness, with his guilt, with his sins from his past, and came with his weakness in order to find strength in you. And we desire to follow in that same path. Make us also worthy to, to, to pursue you, O author of life. Through the prayers of all the apostles, including St. Peter and St. Paul, Lord, hear us as we all pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, make sure you want to check out uh, Irene and Mariam. They're here raising their hand. It's up to you, you guys. Who want to be at the connection table or here? It's up to you.